Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, August 22nd, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, the nation's top auto safety agency proposes a rule to increase seatbelt use. We'll tell you how many deaths it estimates could be prevented. EV battery producer Northvolt raises more than a billion dollars as it prepares to build new factories. And a fire creates a part shortage impacting Toyota. Plus, a closer look at some of the key issues on the bargaining table between the UAW and the Detroit Three, including the union's demand to get rid of wage tiers once and for all. To the outside world, it certainly makes a lot of sense that if you're doing the same job, you should get paid the same amount. Um, but there's very good reasons why the, those tiers exist and getting rid of them entirely is not quite as easy as they make it sound like. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. The nation's top auto safety agency proposed a rule Monday that would require automakers to equip vehicles with seatbelt warning systems for front and back seats. NHTSA's goal is to improve seatbelt use and establish consistency. It says the change would prevent injuries and save lives. For rear seats, the proposal would require automakers to add a visual warning once a vehicle is started that lasts at least 60 seconds. It also requires an audio-visual change of status warning that lasts at least 30 seconds if a rear seat belt is unbuckled while the vehicle is operating. For front seats, the proposal would require an audio-visual seat belt use warning for the driver and front passenger seats. It would remain active until the seat belts are buckled. It also would require an audio-visual change of status warning for the driver and front passenger seats that remains active until an unbuckled seat is refastened. According to NHTSA, about 43,000 people died on America's roads in 2021. Half the people in vehicles weren't wearing a seatbelt. The agency estimates its proposed requirements would prevent more than 100 deaths and about 300 non-fatal injuries each year. Swedish lithium-ion battery producer Northvolt has raised $1.2 billion from investors as it prepares to build new factories in Europe and North America. Investors include BlackRock and several Canadian pension plans. The fresh funds will help Northvolt expand its factory footprint. It has several factories across Europe and plans to build a plant in Germany. Sources said the company is close to finalizing plans to build a multi-billion dollar battery factory in Canada that will be announced later this year. Northvolt declined to comment on the factory plans. With the latest round, it has raised more than $9 billion in debt and equity since 2017 in its bid to become Europe's biggest battery manufacturer. New TrueCar CEO Jantun Riegersman stands to make at least a half million dollars in his first year in charge of the vehicle listings company and potentially millions more through stock awards. That's according to a filing with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Meanwhile, former CEO Mike Darrow will get a $1 million-plus payout 
Riegersman was promoted from COO to TrueCar's chief executive in June after the company replaced Darrow and announced a restructuring that has slashed 24% of its workforce. TrueCar lost more than $20 million in the second quarter, nearly double its loss from a year earlier. Toyota has halted production in its Czech factory due to a parts shortage caused by a fire at a local supplier. A Toyota spokesperson said it's unclear how long the outage will last. Local media reported that the plastic supplier has been unable to deliver parts after a fire destroyed its production and storage facilities last week. Toyota's plant, located east of Prague, produces the Ego X Mini crossover and the Yaris small hatchback. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, we're a little over three weeks until the UAW contract expires. Where are we at this point in negotiating? You know, we're probably about where we normally are, you know, with the the union meeting with all three of the companies, uh, trying to get through a lot of the sort of smaller items that maybe they can find some agreement on or uh, just kind of try to clear out some of the, the lesser issues so that you know, when it gets past Labor Day, when we get to the last week or so, the the top leaders can come together and try to figure out if they can can hammer out a deal. The thing is, this time around, UAW President Sean Fain seems very frustrated by the pace of these talks. He's encouraging the automakers to come to the table sooner and try to get a deal done. It sounds like he wants deals with all three before the contract expires. That would be unprecedented, I think, but uh, certainly not anything we've seen in the last 20 years. But uh, we'll see how that goes. He certainly sounds a lot more ready to strike and almost eager to strike than any president I've ever heard. That's interesting. And you talked about the UAW negotiations with Nick Bunkley, the director of automaker coverage at Automotive News. And we'll have that interview next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. My team and I went to each car company separately. We sat down and we said, you know, what can you do? What you cannot do? How much time you need? How much going to cost you? And that pay off big time. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they come around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero. Available wherever you get your podcasts starting September 11th. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. 
This year, the UAW is seeking nothing short of wholesale changes to pay structures and work schedules that would redistribute corporate wealth and reset the standard of living for roughly 150,000 blue-collar employees. I talked about some of the key issues at the bargaining table with our own Nick Bunkley, who oversees coverage of automakers and unions for Automotive News. Nick Bunkley, welcome back to Daily Drive. Uh, Good morning. Glad to be here. So the UAW talks have begun. It's still kind of early in the process or maybe like the the middle innings. Uh, Strike authorization votes have begun around the country. So the unions demanded all kinds of things, but one in particular stands out kind of to me. President Sean Fain is calling for the end of tears to the members, uh, among the members. This was sort of an odd one to me because in 2019, the companies agreed that everyone would be able to rise to the top wage of about $32 an hour. That's kind of seemed like the end of tears, but he, he's using the term a little differently than uh, it was from 07 to 2019. Why is this such a big deal? Well, the, the tier system has just been um, held up uh, over this last 12, 15 years as sort of the the division in the the plants that uh, you know created this the people doing the same job next to each other, doing getting different pay, which of course was the whole idea at the beginning because they wanted to save costs uh, without uh, cutting existing workers' pay. So they did that, uh, and then of course, once the companies were making more money, the the union decided, well, now this isn't fair that uh, that people are making different money for doing the same job. Um, so they've been fighting ever since to to try to eliminate that you know it's it's just been one of those issues that they've been able to point to because you know to the outside world it certainly makes a lot of sense that if you're doing the same job uh, you should get paid the same amount um, but there's very good reasons why the, those tiers exist and getting rid of them is not uh, entirely is not quite as easy as they make it sound like everyone can get to the top wage but it takes a really long time Right. I mean, it's like eight years of a grow in period. What's uh, what's Sean Fain trying to get back to uh, like 30 days? Uh, it was originally eight years uh, and then they shortened it to about four years for uh, for anybody that was hired um, before 2019. And then Sean Fain wants to shorten it even further. Um, he's yeah, talked about as short as 30 days, which is what it used to be back decades ago, because there, there's always been some kind of a, a grow in, you know, to, hire people at already the, the top wage when they're doing something on their first day. Um, but you know, I, I think, uh, you know, somewhere maybe in between four years and, and 30 days is uh, probably what they're going to propose from the, the auto companies, because I, I think 30 days is just not something they're going to go back to at all. That'd be, uh, be pretty expensive for them, but um, an interesting uh, one. Yeah, because there, there's so many people that, you know, they hire in and after a year, maybe they decide this isn't for me. And uh, you know, if they start having to pay all those people the top wage, uh, that does add quite a bit of cost there. So another perennial, or I, I guess really quadrennial issue is temporary workers. You know, it's always a, a sticking point. And, you know, when they'd say, feel like some people are, you know, perma temps or whatever, that gets to be kind of an emotional matter. And I think Sean Fain's tried to make an issue out of that, but it's also been um you know, cases where you do need temps, maybe, or that's long been an established practice to allow for summer vacations. And a lot of times the automakers talk about absenteeism problems, especially on like Mondays and Fridays, uh, that they need temps to keep the plants running. 
but it, but the the union wants are they asking for the elimination of temporary workers? They want all the temps to be made permanent. Yeah, the uh, the issue of temps, uh, for one thing, it, it's been a bigger issue uh, at the non-union companies. They're the ones that use a lot more temps. Um, and so just the fact that these companies are unionized has kept the, the use of temps uh, down you know, more than the automakers would probably want to use uh, because, again, there's there's so many vacations, uh, times that they need people to fill in. You know, the, the union is, of course, most concerned about just the companies using temps as sort of an alternative to a full-time worker. But beyond that, I mean, there's certainly a lot of legitimate reasons that they need people who are not full-time workers that, that can be moved around, that can be put in spots that they need because you're going to have issues with people being gone for some period of time and you need to keep the line running. You mentioned the the transplants, they're the, you know, the, the foreign owned auto plants. Uh, certainly I, I started out covering Toyota and I think Georgetown has often been like as much as one sixth temporary workers at uh, Toyota's big complex. You know, they'll say some people really prefer that work schedule, that lifestyle. Um, other times it's really a way to bring people in and figure out who they want to hire for the permanent jobs. But it seems like it's just such a, a thing that comes up every time. And it's it's getting rid of temporary workers is like getting to, you know, zero unemployment. It just seems like one of those, you know, sort of mathematical, almost impossibilities, but it's something that they always demand. When they've taken steps in the last couple of contracts to reduce the use of, of temps, or at least uh, require uh, you know, GM and Ford have to convert uh, temps to full-time status after two years. Uh, so there may have been more cases in the past where people were temps for a long period of time and weren't able to, to get hired on. That was both when the economy wasn't quite uh, to where it is now and they didn't have those requirements that they that the companies had to bring them on after a, a certain amount of time so they have already addressed it to some degree but for the sake of you know the union membership uh, you know they want to you know hear the idea that you know again like the tiers uh, they want everybody that's doing their job to earn the same amount of money and so they can point to these temps as an issue that uh, they just want to get rid of entirely. It's, it's, you know, sometimes an emotional issue. I feel like another one with a lot of emotion tied to it is pensions. Uh, the UAW is seeking a return of uh, defined benefit pensions. That one really seems like a non-starter with the automakers, right? Yeah, I was just uh, surprised to hear that even come up this year. I thought that was sort of put away in the past. Uh, you know, the pensions was one of the big issues that sent GM and Chrysler into bankruptcy back in 2009 because you know, they just couldn't afford these uh, commitments that they had made you know, decades prior anymore uh, in the type of economy that it was back in 2008 and 9. And, and so they moved everybody to the 401ks. That is what, honestly, most you know, people in uh, the country have a structure like that today. Um, so you know, the idea of bringing back these pensions uh, that you know, we're part of putting the companies in such a bad financial position. You know, it just seems like it's one of these that they've thrown out there that it's really hard to see how it could happen here at, at this time. Yeah, I'm sure it's it's very appealing uh, for the members, but but yeah, everybody on the executive team would be fired, right? <laughs> if, they, if they put that in the contract. Well, and and everybody that you know doesn't get a pension anymore. Everybody that's been hired, uh, you know, back 
since in, in the last you know 15, 16 years, you know, it's not like they, they have other jobs that they could go out to that they would be getting a pension, uh, whereas that was the case in the past. You know, the, the people that have been there a long time are still uh, under the, the pension system, but you know, there's just not uh, a precedent in today's economy to give people those pensions that they used to. So Sean Fain has also, you know, reflecting the wishes of members, called for a return of the cost of living allowance or COLA. Is that something they might be able to get? Well, it's it's kind of an issue of semantics, right? Because you know they get various amounts of money from from different programs, and over the years, it's been kind of shifted around, and you know they get a profit sharing bonus that has been increased in the last couple of contracts, um, but at the same time, they don't get the the cola specifically anymore, uh, the cost of living uh, payments. It, so it's they could just sort of. Uh, add something in that they call that, but they would have to, to take, I think, from somewhere else. And so, you know, in the end, it's about, you know, how do you figure out the whole amount of money that, that workers get? You know, maybe you can win a, a cola and say you won cola, uh, but it just seems like they're going to have to pull that from, from somewhere else because when people were getting cola back in the, the early 2000s and 90, uh, 90s, you know, they weren't getting $12,000 uh, profit sharing checks at the same time. Yeah, it seems the automakers I think have argued that uh, you know the workers have done better in this era post cola without cola, but if it's really important to them, it seems like something they could uh yeah, take from some other bucket in order to give them maybe the the secure the feeling of security that if there is high inflation during a contract as there was during the last one uh, that they would get some more protection for that. Although it was uh, just a, it was such an unusual sort of economy that economic activity slowed way down, auto sales slowed down, but profits went up for automakers and for dealers, but especially in this case, relevantly for automakers. So the workers got great profit sharing, record high profit sharing checks. Right. You you just have to look at the total compensation that that people get, and again, you could divide it up into however. You- you want, uh, but you know, the the workers were were making uh, you know more money during this time of inflation because the profits were so high. Now it wasn't called cola, but they were getting extra money that uh, had not been there uh, to the same amount the last time people were were getting cola. All right. Well, we've got another three four weeks before the uh, contract expires, and uh, and then we get to the to the ultimate drama. We'll see uh, see how that all shakes out. We'll be counting on you and your team to uh, inform us all the way through. Thanks, Nick Bunkley, for joining me today. Yes, thank you. Looking forward to uh, seeing how this all gets resolved, uh, whether it's a couple weeks or longer than that. We'll have to see. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Callan Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer and Alicia Anderson. Today's episode included reporting from our own Audrey LaForest and Mark Homer. You can get the latest news on executive compensation, supply chain issues, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.